Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. I'm so glad you're here today. This has been a great series as we've walked through this uh, mixtape series through this uh, through the book of Psalms, and God's taught us so many things in the last seven weeks. We just got one more Sunday in this series next Sunday, and then we'll launch into our uh, our, our December series. But we've we've looked at looked at songs of despair. We've talked about songs of worship, songs of restoration, songs of direction, and today uh, we are going to look in Psalm 55 as David talks about a song of distress. I hope you got a worship guide, and uh, you can flip that over to the back and follow along with me this morning uh, as the notes will be on there for the message. King David has found out that his very best friend, Ahithophel, has uh, turned his back on him, has stabbed him in the back, and his very own son, Absalom, is seeking to take the throne away from him. And so David writes Psalm 55 in a very, very difficult time in his life. Let me ask you what, do you, what do you think of when you think of the word bravery, bravery? I, I have a, a lot of different things that come to my mind. I, I even got some pictures of some of the things that I thought of when I thought of bravery. The first thing that came to my mind when, when I thought of people that were brave are people that climb mountains. If you, if you climb, are a mountain climber, go up on high. Anybody climbed a high mountain, something similar to this? Anybody done it? Nobody in this room? Yes, yeah, right down there. Uh, that, that, that's kind of what I think of when I think of bravery. I think of people that... Uh, maybe swim with sharks. Anybody ever had done that? We had somebody in the first service that had, had been swimming with sharks. Anybody in here? One, couple, oh wow, that's awesome. I, that, I think of bravery when I think of people that swim with sharks. Uh, maybe people that uh, take selfies on top of high buildings. Uh, I hope nobody in here has done that. I don't know if that's more bravery than that's just being stupid right there. But uh, I, kind of bravery. Uh, I saw this picture of this guy in a, in a canoe, kayak type thing over this giant whale. Uh, that, that would take a lot of bravery for me to know that was underneath me. But this one that I saw this week, uh, you'll have to look at the picture for just a second. This guy sent this picture to his boss, trying to convince his boss that he was in the hospital. Uh, you'll have to look at it for a second. He obviously is not in the hospital. But it... It took a little bit of bravery to take that picture and send that to, to his boss. But when I think of bravery, I think of King David in the Bible. That, that's what comes to my mind when I think of someone that was brave. Uh, when, when I try to get a, a mental picture in, in my mind of what David looked like, I, I kind of see a, a Russell Crowe lookalike from the movie Gladiator, uh, maybe kind of see Mel Gibson from Braveheart. When, you know, when, when I think about David, I, that's, that's just what comes to my mind. This guy was brave, he was a valiant warrior, and, and, and nothing seemed to scare him. I mean, he was a man's man when you think of King David. When the guy was a teenager, uh, he killed uh, the giant Goliath with, with nothing but a sling. Uh, probably was in his middle school, early high school type years when he, the Bible says that he killed a, a lion and a bear with his bare hands. I mean, this guy was tough. He was a man's man. I mean, you, you kind of maybe even think of him like a Robin Hood that would had his mighty men with him that would go and, and protect God's people from the Philistines and, and, and cleverly was able to stay 
out of the clutches uh, of King Saul. I mean, this, this guy was a man's man. He was a brave, mighty warrior. When I think of David, that's what I think about. I think about a guy that was fearless. And yet in Psalm chapter 55, where we are this morning, we see a completely different person. This mighty warrior that we think about is now having panic attacks. He's in panic mode and he begins to say things like this. My thoughts trouble me. I'm distraught. My heart is in anguish. The terrors of death have befallen me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. And when I read Psalm chapter 55, I have to ask myself, what happened to the giant slayer? I mean, what happened to the guy that killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands? Who is this guy writing this? Now, context is everything here when you look at Psalm chapter 55. David wrote this psalm in his older years, during a time when he had been betrayed. Uh, As a matter of fact, Ahithophel was probably his best friend, was in his cabinet of advisors, and he finds out that Ahithophel has turned his back on him, has betrayed him, has stabbed him in the back. His son Absalom has gone after the throne. As a matter of fact, Absalom is chasing after him, trying to kill him, and the people have turned their hearts towards Absalom rather than from David. And so brave King David is now having his son turn on him, his best friend turn on him as well. Now, the reason that we look at this and the reason why it's so important for us to study this this morning is this. Even brave King David, Israel's greatest king, a a man after God's own heart, even he experienced times of anxiety and depression and panic, something that many of us have had to deal with at times in our lives. Now, there's five things that happened to David as he writes Psalm chapter 55, and we'll look through them in our notes this morning. Five things that happened to him as he walks through this difficult time and season in his life. And the first thing that we notice is in the first five verses there, it's a storm of emotion. David has this storm, this wave of emotion that comes over him whenever something negative of any kind of magnitude happens in our lives, typically something like this. There's this storm, there's this wave of emotion that comes over us. Now, the reason that is, is because fear, listen, fear begins in our thoughts. And then our minds are filled with worry and our minds are filled with anxiety. And before long, we're strangled with anxiety and we're strangled with this storm of emotion. I've told you this story numerous times, but about 10, 11 years ago, my son was in a terrible ATV accident. And I'll never forget as I'm waiting for the, the, he nearly lost his arm in the accident as we're waiting for the ambulance to take him uh, from the field where it happened to the life flight helicopter, this, this storm, this wave of emotion began to come over me. And my emotions were literally just all over the place from, from one place to the other. And I, I, my emotions went from being mad to being frustrated to being sullen to being worried. And my emotions, this, this storm, this wave of emotion began to wash over me to, from different emotion to the next. 
I'll never forget the day I was sitting in our house in Texas and the phone rang and it was my mom and I sat down on the sofa as my mom began to tell me that they had just left the doctor and my dad had been diagnosed with cancer. And I'll, I'll never forget sinking down. I can, I can still feel it right now if I close my eyes, sinking down to the sofa and feeling that wave, that storm of emotion as my, my, the tears begin to roll down my face and that, that storm, that wave of emotion begin to hit me. And each of you can think of times in your life, maybe you lost a job, maybe your spouse left, maybe someone that you love suddenly died or you got devastating news at the doctor and I could go on and on. And, and that's where David is, is this, this betrayal by his son and by his best friend. We see it in verses one through five, but, but let's read verses one through three first to get kicked off here. David says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me and I'm distraught because of what my enemy is saying because of the threats of the wicked. Now right here we begin to, to see the, the sense and, and feel the situation of this psalm. David's praying and he's, he's crying out to God and he says in verse two, my thoughts, they trouble me and, I, and I'm distraught. It's the first indication of this, this storm of emotion that begins to come over him. Now here's what's going on. David writes this psalm as he's literally running for his life. His rebellious son Absalom has come after him, trying to kill him, trying to take the throne from him. People, uh, Absalom has grown power hungry. He's routed his own father from the throne. And David has to run from Jerusalem and the people in the kingdom, their hearts have turned from David now to Absalom. David's discovered that Ahithophel, his best friend, has turned his back on him, has now associated with Absalom and he's betrayed him. And all of this leads to this deep anxiety, this deep stress in David's life. His heart becomes restless inside of him and he begins in prayer to complain, to cry out to God. And it then leads to anguish. Look at the next part of those verses. David said, for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Again, it's this storm, this wave of emotion. David fears for his own life here as his own son is coming after him. Now, you might ask yourself this question like I have asked myself this question before. Is it okay for a Christian to feel this way? I mean, is it, is it right for a person who's a follower of Jesus, a person that follows after God, is it okay for them to have these kinds of feelings? I mean, if we'll be honest with ourselves, there's Christian books out there, there's pastors, there's preachers, there's seminars, there's even songs that seem to indicate that if you're really trusting God, if you're really spiritually minded, if you're really walking with God, then fear and anxiety and anguish and distress and, and even all of these things, they won't come into your heart or your life. Is it really true? I mean, is, is it true that if you're really trusting God, if you're really placing all of your faith and trust with him and you're walking with him, you're not gonna have fear and, and doubt and tears? Not if you read the Psalms. I mean, who wrote this? This is David. This is a man after God's own heart. 
This is the guy that killed Goliath. This is the guy that killed thousands of Philistines. This is the guy that gave us the 23rd Psalm. This is a guy that even here in Psalm 55 says, I will trust you, Lord. And yet this wave of emotions is coming over him. I think what we learn here is that being a Christian, listen, being a Christian does not exempt us from difficulty and painful situations in our lives. And it certainly doesn't exempt us from having the normal emotions that every other person has. These are normal feelings that all of us have as a human being. And when we face difficult circumstances in our lives, when we have a wave of emotions overcome us in our life, we have to figure out how we're gonna deal with them. Now, what we'll see in Psalm chapter 55 is there is a positive way to deal with our emotions and there's a negative way to deal with our emotions. And we have to decide how we're going to deal with the wave of emotion that comes when difficulty comes. So, In David's situation, what's his reaction? What's his response to this storm of emotions? We see it in the next three verses. It's he has the desire to escape. David says, I wanna get out of here. He has this desire to escape. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had some trouble, some difficulty, some problem just smack you right in the face and you know what you say? I just wanna get out of here. I just want to escape. I just want to be away from all of these problems. I want to get away from it all. I wish there was just some escape button that I could hit and I'd be gone. I was about 10 years old and I had gotten in trouble for something uh, as a kid with my dad. I don't remember what it was, but when you're 10, you haven't really experienced too much trouble. So anything you get into is a really, really big deal. So I'm, I'm in trouble for something. And so this is what I decided to do. Rather than deal with the trouble that I was in, I told my dad that I was running away from home. And so I said, I'm I'm running away from home, I'm I'm leaving. And so this is what my dad said. He he, he sat me down and he said, okay, if if at 10 years old, you're ready to to handle yourself and take care of yourself and live on your own, that's fine, that's your decision. You can do that if you'd like. But uh, at 10 years old, everything that you have, I paid for, I bought. So there's nothing in your room that you have that that belongs to you. I I own it all. The the clothes, the toys, everything, I bought it. So if you leave here, you gotta gotta remember that. But he said, I'm I'm a kind dad, I'm a kind father. And I wouldn't wanna send you out here. I mean, if you're leaving, ready to go out on your own at 10, I wouldn't wanna leave you with nothing. So here's what I'm willing to do. When you leave, you can take one pair of tennis shoes and one pair of underwear. But that's it. I mean, you, you can't take anything else because everything else I own and I bought. So at 10 years old, I start thinking. And I start imagining myself walking down the sidewalk in a pair of tennis shoes and my underwear because that was all I was gonna have. And I decided I was just gonna stay there and face the consequences for what I had to deal with. But David responds to this wave, this storm of emotions by wanting to escape. Look what he says in verse number six. He said, oh, that I had wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. So when we experience these kinds of things in our life, we we just wanna hit the eject button. We just wanna be gone. We wanna be away from it all. And, And that's a common way for so many people. I don't want to deal with the problem. I don't want to deal with the emotions. I don't want to deal with the difficulties. I just want to get out of here. It's called escapism. 
trying to bury our feelings. And David experiences this intense anxiety and anguish in his life, and he wants to just escape. And it shows the, the danger of escapism. What is escapism? I gave you a definition, it'll come up on the screen. Escapism is this. It's the tendency to seek or the practice of seeking distraction from what normally has to be endured. There are certain things in life when it comes to difficulty and emotion, you just got to go through them. You just got to deal with them. You just got to experience them. And escapism is saying, I don't wanna have to deal with reality. So I just, I wanna be gone. I wanna be away from it all. Now, I'm not talking about just saying, hey, I'm going through a difficult time, so I'm gonna listen to some good music, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch an old movie, or I'm gonna do something else to kind of distract myself. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about too many times when we use good things for bad purposes, or we turn to negative, unhelpful things as a means to escape and to disassociate from the emotions that we need to honestly face. How do people do that? Too many times we do it by just kind of burying ourselves in our phone, don't we? I just kind of look in my phone and I won't have to deal with the people around me or the distractions or my family or who I'm mad at or who's mad at me. I'll just, I'll just bury myself in my phone. Maybe we waste time on social media, mindless channel surfing, alcohol, overeating, burying ourselves in, in work that maybe we didn't have to do. And all of these ways, ways are, are ways to escape from our emotions rather than dealing with them honestly. The great theologian, Billy Joel, said this in his song, Piano Man. He said, it's a pretty good crowd for a Saturday and the manager gives me a smile because he knows that it's me they've been coming to see to forget about life for a while. What is he saying? Escapism. I don't wanna have to deal with what's going on in my life, so I'll, I'll, I'll forget about life for a while through alcohol or through something else. And there's this temptation for all of us to live into de in denial and try to escape from the stresses that we feel and the emotions that we feel. But we're not going, listen, we're not going to be spiritually healthy. We'll be emotionally unhealthy as long as we're living with this idea of escapism and, and I don't wanna have to deal with what I'm going through. David's tempted to do that. He said, I, I wish I had wings like a dove. I could just fly away. I'd escape all of my problems. But what he actually does in verse number nine is he decides rather than just run away from it all, he would go to God in prayer, but he doesn't, he doesn't do it exactly right at first because he, he goes from this wave of emotion to the desire to escape. But look at number three. He now has the request for revenge. He kind of masks this disguise of, of asking for God's help through asking for revenge. Can we all be a little transparent with each other this morning? We've all been hurt. We've all been betrayed. Maybe been stabbed in the back by somebody that you trusted. And after the waves of emotion have come, and the desire to just get away from it all maybe has subsided. What many times comes next is the desire for revenge. Just be honest, it's there. And maybe you've even prayed something like this. You said, dear God, 
get them. Make them hurt like I've hurt. God, you hurt them like they've hurt me. God, that's what I want. And maybe you've never prayed that, but you've thought it. Well, David actually prayed that. God, I want you to take revenge on my behalf. You see, the first part of his prayer is not very pretty, but it's, it's helpful for us to understand. Look at verse number nine. He said, Lord, confuse the wicked. Confound their words, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. But what city is he talking about? He's talking about Jerusalem here. And he said, God, what used to be a place of peace, there's now, he mentions it several times, there's strife, there's iniquity, there's trouble, there's ruin, there's oppression. And God, he says, I want you to get them. Look at verse number 15. He said, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead for evil finds lodging among them. He prays here that they would go down to the grave alive, that the ground would swallow them up. This is a guy that's looking for revenge. Now, before we get too on David's case and too mad at David and say, oh, I can't believe you. Listen, that's a normal, natural emotion. It's normal and natural when you've been hurt, when you've been betrayed, to want to have revenge. Look what he says in verse number 12. He said, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it's you. He's talking about somebody that he knew and trusted, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked among the worshipers. He said, you, you, you were somebody that used to hang out with. We used to go to church together. We worshiped together. And now you've betrayed me. See what's going on? David's been betrayed. His best friend, his son. You been there? You know that feeling? Maybe a parent promised to protect you, but instead they hurt you and they abused you. Maybe a spouse promised you forever. They were unfaithful to that promise. Maybe you've experienced those same things. That's what David is going through here and he's expressing his emotion to God. Now here's an important thing I don't want us to miss in this story. As David is talking and he's expressing this emotion, as he's venting, he's venting, listen, to God. He's pouring out his emotions to God. And the safest place for you to vent, the safest place for you to pour out your emotions are to God. First Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. You know why it's so important that we do our venting to God? First of all, because he instructed us to do so. Secondly, he can handle it. But thirdly, listen, many times when we're venting, we say things that we don't really mean. You ever been there? Come on now. How many times have I been venting? I've been mad, I've been upset, and I've said stuff that I, I just really didn't mean it. It's where David is. 
Absalom, David's son, has rebelled against him. He's seeking to take David's life. He's seeking to overthrow the kingdom. And yet when you track this story later on, when Absalom dies, David weeps and he mourns. It's not the thing that he really wanted. He was venting, but at least he was venting to God. Listen, if you pray your anger to God, you'll be able to give that anger to God and it'll keep you from from acting on that anger, from expressing that anger. I think so many times when, when people lose it, when they act out in ways that maybe sometimes just just destroy other lives or maybe in violent ways. It's so many times because they have not learned how to deal with emotions and they've bottled them up. Check out this statement on the screen behind you. I want you to get this. Praying your anger keeps you from acting on your anger. Trusting God's justice will keep you from taking justice into your own hand. If you don't get anything else that I say today, I want you to go home remembering that. Praying your anger, venting your anger to God will keep you from acting on your anger. And trusting God's justice will keep you from taking justice into your own hands. So David goes from a wave of emotion, this desire to escape, his request for revenge, the number Four, he goes to the discipline of prayer. The discipline of prayer. You see, the Psalms are full of prayers. They teach us to pray. Psalm 55 especially is a Psalm about prayer. It begins in verses one and two with prayer. He says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. There's actually four requests just in those first two verses that David makes of God in regards to prayer. He says, listen, God, don't ignore God, hear God, answer God. But he really gets down to the discipline of prayer when he gets to verse 16. He says, as for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress. And what? He hears my voice. There's an emphasis here in this passage on the fact that God hears our prayer. What you see here is is David praying honestly, just being so gut level honest in his prayers. Everything that we've seen, David is just taking all of his emotions, he's emptying everything out that he's got to God in prayer. He's expressing it to God. All the stuff that he has inside, he's getting it out and he's getting it out in the context of prayer. But I think it's also important to note that it's a humble prayer. Because when he prays this prayer, he's entrusting the whole situation to God. Instead of taking control of the situation, he says, okay, God, you're now in control. And I'll be honest with you, this is where I struggle. It's so easy to pray and say, God, fix this, do this, come through in this situation, but I'm still gonna hold on just in case. I'm still gonna do my part. I'm still gonna be in control. I'll hold the steering wheel, but but God, you fix it, okay? He entrusted all to God. He entrusted himself to the justice of God, the, God's righteous justice. So he goes from the wave of emotion, the desire to escape, a request for revenge, understanding the discipline of prayer, and then finally David moves to the God that can be trusted. He moves to the God that can be trusted. 
Now, this is the key to the whole chapter. This is where David lands when the dust settles. And he spent time in prayer. And he makes this declaration that we have a God that can be trusted. Look at verse 22. David said, cast your cares on the Lord and what will he do? He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken, but you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. But as for me, I trust in you. David said, regardless of all the stuff that I've been through, the difficulty, the hurt, the, the, the wave of emotion, the desire for revenge, all of that, God, I'm gonna place it in your hands and trust in you. That's the basic message. This entire chapter is verse 22. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. It's learning to take the burden of emotions that we feel and entrust that burden into the hands of God. It's the same trust that a child has in their parents. When, when, when my kids were little, they never came to me and said, hey dad, we're, we're getting ready to go to the grocery store and get groceries, how are we gonna pay for that? They never came to me, because they didn't worry about that. That was my responsibility to worry about. My kids never said, hey, does the, how are we gonna pay the power bill this month? They never worried about it, that was my responsibility to worry about. They never asked me, is the premium on our, our health insurance paid up? They never asked me that. They just trusted, they just trusted and rested in me that I was taking care of those things. And that's what David is saying here, just trust and rest in the same way that a child does. David did cast our cares on the Lord. What is that? It's your stress, your anxiety, your worry, your fretting, all of that stuff that's going on in your head and in your heart. Now listen, he doesn't say that he will take the burden away. He says that he will sustain you. He says, cast your cares, your burdens on him. It doesn't say that he'll just take it all away. It says that he will sustain you. He'll walk you through it. He'll carry you through those difficulties. Too many times we think, well, I'll cast my burdens and then everything's gonna be great. I'll have no more problems once I'm a Christian. No, no. He says, hell, I'll sustain you. You're still gonna walk through difficulties, but he'll sustain you. David says it's important to remember who God is, the character of God. In verse 16, he says he's the God that saves us. In verse 17, he's the God that hears us. In verse 18, he's the God that rescues us. In verse 19, he's the God that does not change. In verse 22, he's the God that sustains us. So David says, take everything that you got, all of your cares, your worries, your fret, your trouble, take it to him. Cast your burdens on him. And the Lord promises us that he will sustain you. This is how I wanna end today. In just a moment, we're gonna sing a final song. During that song, we'll have the folks that are our encouragers, they'll be up here. Maybe you've got something you wanna pray for, pray about, they'd love to do that with you. But I know in this room, there are folks all around the room, there were folks that came up to me after the first service and began to tell me stories. You've had somebody betray you, you've had somebody stab you in the back, you've had somebody turn on you, you've had someone that you trusted, take that trust away. And maybe you've been carrying that heavy weight of that 
today is the day to take that heavy weight and give it to God and say, God, I can't carry this on my own anymore. I can't be mad at him anymore. I can't deal with this anymore. I need you to sustain me. Maybe you're still in that wave of emotion. Maybe you're, you're, you're still looking for revenge. And maybe today is the day that you move on to say, you know what, I'm gonna take these burdens and I'm gonna cast them on God rather than keep carrying on myself. But this is what I wanna do. As we sing our last song, there'll be encouragers up here, folks that would love to pray with you. But I'm gonna ask you, please don't take that feeling, that burden, that, that, that difficulty, please don't take it back out with you. Today's the day to unburden yourself and cast it on God and allow him to sustain you. So what I did this week is I, I wrote out a prayer. It's gonna be on the screen behind me. I'm gonna read this prayer out loud and I, I encourage you to read it yourself as well. You don't have to say it out loud. Just pray it to God. And take the things that we've learned this morning in this prayer and just pray them to God. The prayer says this, Lord, I thank you that you are the God, the impossible. You can do anything. I choose to trust in your ability and not my own. Teach me to see difficulties in my life from your perspective. Help me stay focused on you even in difficult times. Today, I bring before you this difficulty in my life and you just tell him what it is. What is it you're struggling with? What is it you're dealing with? What is, what is that wave of emotion? What is that revenge that you still want? Just tell him right now. Help me not to fear, but to trust you. I declare my faith in your ability to fulfill your promises to me. You will fight for me and win the battles in my life. You're mighty, powerful, righteous, and true. I do not need to figure everything out. Some of you need to just hang out there for a minute. I don't have to figure everything out, God. You already know the best plan for my life. I will not try to do what only you can do. That's where I need to hang out. Teach me how to walk by faith and pray breakthrough prayers. Today, I release this situation to you because I know you can be trusted. I'm gonna pray. After I do, our encouragers will come forward. I'll invite you to stand. We'll sing one more song. But if God's spoken to you, I just encourage you to speak back. Maybe just find a place quietly where you're sitting. Maybe you wanna come down and kneel. Maybe you wanna pray with someone else. But don't take that burden home with you today. Don't live in that wave of emotion. Don't continue that desire for revenge. Take that burden, leave it with God and he'll sustain you. Father, thank you for this example we've seen today. I thank you for even the humanness that we see in King David. He was real, just like we are. He struggled just like we struggle. Same feelings and emotions that we have. 
God, help us to not get stuck in those emotions or those desires for revenge or even praying selfish prayers. Help us to move on as David did to a place where we say, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't like it, but I trust in you. So I'll cast my cares on you and know that you'll sustain me. You may not take the burden away, but you'll sustain me. You'll carry me through it. Thank you for speaking to our hearts today. Thank you that even in the frailty of my voice this morning, Lord, your Holy Spirit can speak to our hearts through your word. Now help us to respond as you've spoken to us. Not carry a burden out of here that was meant to be yours. Thank you that you love us. Got our best in mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history, and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.